is Rob Goldstone, editor of Current Directions in Psychological Science. Our guest today is Dr. Marlies Hofer. Until recently, a graduate student in the Department of Psychology at the University of British Columbia, and now a postdoctoral research scientist at the University of Victoria. She is the lead author, together with co-authors Francis Chen and Mark Schaller, of a recently published article, What Your Nose Knows, Effective Cognitive and Behavioral Responses to the Scent of Another Person. Thank you very much for being here, Marlies. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to talk about this with you. So you organize your Current Directions article in terms of three kinds of psychological effects that odors can have. I'd like to touch on all three, but starting with the first, can you describe experimental evidence showing that perceivers respond to odors emitted by other people that reveal the emotional states of those other people? States like uh, fear or happiness, perhaps? Absolutely. Um, of all of the ways that people um, communicate using body odors, I personally find that communication of emotions is one of the most fascinating ways. Um, and as you said, body odors do communicate a variety of different emotions, and there's evidence for the communication of happiness, disgust, and even sadness. But the best researched emotion is the emotion of fear. And there was a recent meta-analysis in 2017 that compiled results from 26 different studies examination, examining the communication of fear, anxiety, and stress. And they put these three emotions together because it's thought that they share a common mechanism. And that's the activation of the fight or flight stress response system. So this system releases adrenaline, which then activates sweat glands, generally in the armpit region, and this is how it's thought that the scent of fear is communicated. So first, um, a scent is collected from senders. So this is sort of how the studies are done. Scents are collected from senders, and you do this either by collecting liquid sweat or with an absorbent material, such as a t-shirt worn in the armpit region. And then um, odor is also collected from the sender in two different time points. So you'll have the sender come in at one time point and go through a control activity. And this will be something like watching a nature video or exercising. And another time, generally the next day, the participant comes in again and you'll have them go through a fear induction experience. So fear can be manipulated in a variety of different ways, simply by just having participants watch a horror movie or there are a lot of other more creative fear manipulation methods, such as collecting odors produced while taking a final examination. Or my personal favorite, um, there's a study that collected fear odors while the participants were engaging in their first tandem skydive. So next, you'll have another set of participants exposed to these different odors, and their reaction is monitored in one way or another. Um, and the meta-analysis I mentioned before, as well as many other studies since then, have found that the, in general, people are able to distinguish between fear scents and neutral scents. And some examples of how their reactions are changing is um, after smelling a fear scent, a person might have a faster startle reflex, which means basically that they react to a loud noise faster. Um, they also might have increased brain activity in a fear-specific region of their brain. Um, they may experience an increase in their heart rate, 
or maybe they display fear on their facial expression. So overall, the research really does clearly indicate that humans have the ability to detect fear in others just by using scent. Great. Thanks for that very vivid description of the studies. A second kind of sensitivity that people have is that they can tell specific personal characteristics of the person who gives off an odor, even if they can't see the person. Characteristics such as the person's age, sex, sexual receptivity, or health. Can you describe some of the more compelling cases of this ability? Yes, absolutely. There's a wide range of cases here. So um, I'm just going to, I think, touch on two different ways that I think are quite interesting. One of them is implications for um, romance, and the other is for detecting sickness. Um, body odors may provide all sorts of clues about a potential romantic partner's reproductive fitness and their interest in, as well as their availability for, a future romantic relationship. So for example, one study actually found that women were able to distinguish at chances above chance level um, between men who were parten partnered versus men who were single just based on their body odor. And there's also evidence that people who have been raised together and therefore are very, very familiar with one another's body odors, they don't actually like each other's body odors. They find them very unsexy and this is thought to be an evolutionary mechanism to avoid inbreeding. So interestingly, actually, people report that the scent of a potential romantic partner is one of the most important traits that they use to decide if they want to be with that person. And they often weigh odor to be more important than even things like physical appearance and personality. So there is a good reason to believe that scents seem to inform mate choice but one caveat to this literature is that there are, there's a lot of literature out there and there are also some non-replications in the literature. So we will have to wait for more high quality work before we have a really complete understanding of how scent informs relationship choices. So a smaller, but I find very compelling body of work also examines if body odors can communicate information about sickness. And I find that during the current pandemic situation, it's really quite easy for us all to imagine why it would be useful to be able to detect sickness in another person and thereby know how to avoid somebody who might have a potentially um, infectious disease. So um, many diseases are actually associated with changes in body odor. So for example, a respiratory infection is often associated with foul breath. So one research group in Stockholm has done a number of studies in which they actually inject healthy participants with an endotoxin, which temporarily activates the immune system of the participant, just as though they were fighting off an infectious disease. And findings, their findings showed that within just a few hours, injected individuals had a more averse body odor relative to their normal body odor maybe collected the day prior. And when perceivers smelled that sick body odor, they found that the scent donor, they rated the scent donor to be less likable. So thus, we do have a small but clear body of work, which appears to indicate that people can detect an immune response in other people just through scent and that they find the odor of that person aversive, which is likely to help them to avoid close contact with individuals who might make them sick. So I really find that the future of this entire body of research is 
has just full of opportunities. Um, for example, all the work that I've just talked about is all based on perceptions of stranger scents. And you can imagine that instead of smelling the sickness of a stranger, you might smell a sickness odor, but that might be paired with something like your husband's odor or your kid's odor. Mm -hmm. And if you had that pairing, you might expect that it would cause participants to approach the scent of the sick loved one, which is quite opposite from the avoidance response we might expect for scents of a sick stranger. Great. I wanted to follow up with what you were just talking about, about the specialness of the odors of loved ones, because a final kind of sensitivity to odors that you describe is sensitivity to the odors of a specific intimate other, such as a mother or a spouse. What does smelling the odor of a loved one do to us? Right. So this actually question comes around to my personal research, so I love talking about this. Um, it appears overall that smelling a loved one is generally quite comforting for people and also stress reducing. So we see this both in babies when they smell their mother's odor, as well as in adults when they smell their romantic partner's odor. We see that exposure to a loved one's scent buffers stress reactions. And in babies, the research indicates that they will cry and grimace less and have a reduced cortisol reaction after a stressful event. And that's usually a routine blood draw. Um, and in young adults, my work indicates that the smell of a romantic partner reduces perceptions of stress in response to a socially stressful event. So how I tested this in um, with my collaborators in the lab is I recruited some couples and I had men serve as the scent donors. So they, so they wore an undershirt for 24 hours. Um, and then we had women come into the lab and smell either their partner's worn shirt or a stranger's worn shirt, which was maybe a little bit gross, but we didn't tell them, or a control shirt that hadn't been worn by anybody. And they underwent a stressful task. So this is known as the social Trier stress test. Um, it was actually explained recently on your podcast when you interviewed Dr. Keycolt Glacier. And I won't be able to do it as much justice as she did, but in short, the task involves a mock interview in front of judges, and it's followed by a surprise mental arithmetic task, and it's generally perceived as quite stressful. <laughs> so what we found was that women who were exposed to their partner's scent, they experienced less anxiety leading up to the stressful event. And they also recovered faster, so they came back down to their baseline level of anxiety faster than those who were smelling the stranger scent or the unworn shirt. So to follow up on that study, we also examined sleep, which I personally was particularly interested in because I felt that during the night, other senses such as sight would be downregulated and less important. And therefore scent may become especially important as a way for us to signal the presence of a loved one. So for this study, we asked both members of the couple to participate. They both slept with a shirt that had previously been worn by the, their romantic partner on some nights and also a control shirt on other nights. And then participants actually placed these worn shirts inside out over their pillow cover so that they would be exposed to the scent all night long. And we found that on the nights that people were exposed to their partner's scent, they did in fact have improved sleep efficiency. And this sleep efficiency was measured objectively using a movement-based atigraphy method. So overall, the scent of a loved one does seem to appear to have 
some positive health consequences. But again, there's so much more work to be done in this area. Um, one study actually replicated my stress buffering effect in romantic partners, but also found additionally that participants who were more securely attached to their partner, they had a greater benefit from the exposure to their partner's scent compared to those who were more insecurely attached. So I really find that an important next step would be to figure out what influences whether the smell of a romantic partner or more broadly a loved one has a calming effect and when it might even have the opposite effect, such as in the case of smelling the scent of an abusive relationship partner. So I think many people have already intuited the results of your research because they purposefully carry with them an undergarment from their loved one when they go away on a business trip. And that brings up a point that sometimes people are consciously aware of how an odor affects them, but other times it feels like many of these effects operate below the radar of consciousness. What do psychologists know about whether and when scents influence us consciously versus unconsciously? That's a great question. It's one that many people uh, bring up often when I talk about this research. Um, it really appears that it, to me, I think that it, uh, scents can operate both consciously and unconsciously. So I can use that sleep study as an example, I think, uh, to kind of show case of both of these things. So um, in addition to those objective sleep ratings, um, the actigraphy-based ones that I mentioned, we also collected subjective ratings of sleep. And so this is um, what we did is we asked participants in the morning, how did you feel that you slept last night? And we found that on nights that people thought that they were sleeping with their partner's scent, they also reported thinking that they had slept better. So that means that in this case, conscious perception of the scent appears to mold how people actually react to that scent. However, at the same time, it is quite common I would say more common to see studies where a scent exposure affects people outside of their conscious awareness. So for example, again, in my sleep study, we found that conscious awareness had no impact on objectively measured sleep. So by that, I mean that on nights that people slept with their partner's scent, they slept more efficiently. And this happened whether or not they were aware that they were sleeping with their partner's scent. So overall, I just think there's a, there's probably a growing consensus that much of scent communication happens at the unconscious level. And this is actually one of the things that makes scent communication that drew me to it in the first place, because there's all these unexplainable aspects of interpersonal attraction or communication. So if you think somebody has charisma, for instance, what does that mean? You can't really put your finger on it. And I think it may in part be due to an unconscious scent-based inference that you're making. For a final question, I'd like to pick up on something you mentioned earlier, that people often explicitly mention odor as an important feature when they're picking their romantic partners. So odors matter a lot to people, but in many contemporary countries, people take efforts to mask their odors by using scented soaps, shampoos, deodorants. What are the costs and benefits of doing so? I guess one of the things I'm wondering is whether a case could be made that by using deodorants, we are systematically preempting, disabling a mechanism that could help to more strongly connect us to one another. 
Absolutely. I think that's a really interesting idea. It's one I've thought about a lot. I mean, building on what you said, perfumes alone have a global market of over $30 billion per year. So it's very clear that humans have a strong desire to manipulate our odors. And even in addition to that, we also mask our body odors quite frequently by um, washing ourselves so often. So it's hard for me to say actually whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I mean, on a personal level, I can say that becoming a smell scientist has certainly not made me want to alter my hygiene routine and start to make myself super smelly. Um, so that's because in our society, people are not used to smelling strong body odors from one another. And it's true that people dislike strong body odors and will make negative assessments of others who smell strongly. So the obvious benefit of changing our body odors or reducing our body odors would be to avoid negative assessments from others. Um, but stepping back a bit and looking at it from a societal level, the cost of altering our body odors could be a decreased ability to communicate, as you had mentioned. Um, and one example, quite vivid example that comes to my mind um, would be within the mother-infant relationship. So we know that newborns will often orient towards their mother's smell and they'll crawl towards their mother's chest if they're interested in feeding. And there's even a study that found that this behavior would not occur after the mother had washed her chest, which would mask her breast milk odor. So there was then a follow-up study that um, placed a clear plastic sort of a cellophane wrap over one of the mother's breasts and that caused the baby only to crawl towards the other side. So overall, this indicates that if a mother washes too often or alters her body odor too much, this could have the potential to confuse her infant and possibly complicate their feeding relationship. Which, I mean, honestly, um, as a recent new mother myself, I can say I don't know that this is happening all that often. I remember in the first months of my son's life that I did not have any free time for my personal hygiene. In fact, I remember being very, very excited if I had time to brush my teeth in a given day. So um, I think the larger point I'm trying to make is that in some instances, odors might communicate something larger and more important that is not easily made up for using our other senses. And maybe a more easily accessible possibility would just be that people are not maybe as socially aware and empathetic when body odors are not present because they're not able to pick up on those subtle scent-based cues to one another's emotional state, it, to the, one another's emotional state. So simply if you meet your friends for drinks and your friend arrives and you detect sort of a fear anxiety odor from her, you might be able to figure out that maybe this person needs some support. You might ask her how her day went. Whereas if their odor is masked, you might not be as receptive and supportive. So I guess I really find this to be an interesting thing to think about and relevant during this post-COVID age where so much of our communication has now shifted online. And with these video chat options that everyone is using, I mean, they're obviously wonderful, but I think most people can agree that there's something really missing when you aren't in the same room as your conversation partner. And that missing thing might in fact be our sense of smell. Okay, that's all the time we have for this conversation with Dr. Marlise Hofer. Thanks very much, Marlise, for the stimulating conversation. Yes, thank you so much for having me.